episode of the Nothing But Nets podcast. I am your host, Dave Early with Clutch Points. I'm here, as always, with my guest, Greg Dennis. Greg, happy holiday season. Health to you and family. How are you doing? Happy holidays, Dave. Glad to kick off another episode. Yeah, so you could go back and listen to our episodes one by one. We went from... Kyrie's out. Are they going to trade Kyrie? Is he ever coming back? It was pretty doom and gloom there. Then we get to Kyrie's return, the decision, the controversialness of that decision. Um, You and I at one point were questioning if it would be wrong of the Nets. Would they have to save face by changing their minds to bring them back? They basically said, look, we did this to bring Kyrie Irving back. We had we did it for continuity we didn't want a part-time player to mess up our continuity at one point they said well we don't have any continuity anyway everyone's in protocol let's bring him back he shows up he tests positive but he's out he's out of protocol he's testing negative and today uh the day we're recording this you're going to be listening to this on thursday uh he had his first practice since back in training camp so Kyrie Irving is back um, and what are your initial thoughts on that? Uh, as Kyrie Irving, the part-time player is now here. Uh, first and foremost, as a, as a basketball fan, I'm excited to watch him. I think, um, any, any fan who just likes watching unique, talented players, Kyrie is at the very top of that list. Um, as a, as a Nets fan, you know, the excitement is doubled because now you're going to get a, a look at the team that w- that had so much hype in the preseason that was the championship favorite. And now we're going to get to see these guys on the court. So it's really exciting. Um, I'm sure it'll take some time for Kyrie to ramp up and get into basketball shape. But that being said, uh, the wheels are in motion and he took a huge step towards that today. Yeah, he he talked about that. You mentioned him being in shape. It doesn't sound like they are going to rush anything. Uh, the first game he would be eligible to appear in would be that January 5th game against Indiana Pacers. But it feels like it would be a little soon. And you got to think with the newly rebuilding Pacers that Steve Nash is going to look at that one and say, I think we can win that one without him. Uh, and if we do, we buy him another full week to get his conditioning practice around some professional players. Um, The Nets practice facility is a private facility, so it sort of circumvents one of the new local mandates, which says he would have to be vaccinated. So, so far they're avoiding that where he can practice with the team is my understanding. And and they said Golden State was light years ahead. I don't (laughs) think that wasn't. uh... (laughs) No, I don't think it was intentional, but, but that's interesting. I didn't realize that. Yeah, so he, I think there's about 22 games he's theoretically eligible to play in. Let's say he he misses that Pacers one, then he's not eligible to play at the Garden in New York City, and he's not eligible to cross the border and go to Toronto. Um, but pretty much everywhere else he can play. Okay, so so we're looking at you said. 20 plus regular season games before the playoffs. I mean, that's kind of perfect. 
um, probably just enough time to get into rhythm. It's kind of a tune-up. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, that that's exciting if you're the Nets. It really changes the dynamic in the Eastern Conference, um, the way things are shaping up. Milwaukee is, is becoming whole. The Nets are becoming whole. Those are, that's obviously the class of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, the Nets are 23-9 and nine as of this recording in first place. I think they're, they're about a game and a half up on Chicago, who's beaten the Nets twice. Uh, Chicago is actually the, the game that I predicted Irving to return for in a piece today. That would be January 12th, I believe. Um, and so that would be an important sort of Eastern Conference potential playoff seating. Steve Nash was asked specifically, with Irving only being eligible on the road, does he really want home court? Is he going to push for that? And he said, it might be putting the cart before the horse to really worry about home and away. Um, we're going to be worrying about playing the right way. So, you know, if you're looking at the upcoming schedule, I don't think Irving is going to be in the lineup right away, but I don't really think the Nets care. It, it, I think there's a good chance that we're going to look back and say, this portion that they've just completed was the most difficult portion of their regular season because, I mean, you know KD, this is part of the reason they decided to change course on Irving. KD was logging like 37 minutes per game. Durant was right behind. I mean, Harden was right behind them, 36 and a half. Now they have all kinds of ways they could mix and match those three. They could stagger their minutes if they want to play one guy 30 minutes max one night or, or just give them a full-on rest. Kyrie can kind of give us an idealized version of what a superstar looks like when he doesn't have to go through that regular season marathon. Like he could only play his best, right? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's almost like a like a college season, you know, uh, 25, 30 games, maximum effort in each one. And it, it's a good point. I mean, if Kyrie Irving comes back and everything works out and he's playing really well and the Nets um, move on and kind of show what a lot of people suspect, which is that the value of the regular season is uh, not always uh, needing to be maximized. Who knows? Who knows what kind of trends this might set? I don't think we'll see part-time players, but um, it will certainly you know, the argument, a lot of people feel continuity and <clears throat> togetherness, uh, how important it is. This, this would be a notch in the belt for the people that argue for talent over everything. That's for sure. And I, I would call myself one of those people. I think talent over everything. And I think I, having grown up watching the Spurs win so much, and they were sort of pioneers in what we call load management now, uh, I, I believe in that stuff. And I think, I mean, look at this Nets team. They have had this big three now for a while, but they've had, I think, eight total regular season games that they've been available and, and less playoff games than that. So the one thing that's eluded them is just having all three of these guys out on the court together. We're finally going to get to see that. It's terrible for everyone else. If you were, <laughs> if you were Milwaukee, if you were Philadelphia, and you might have thought, hey, we're right there, or the Sixers might have thought we're one big trade away. The Sixers, for example, would now need basically two blockbuster deals to get back in the running to beat a team like the Nets. Yeah, that's true. I mean, 
the Sixers, I think the Sixers are probably feeling like, hey, we, we just want to avoid the play-in at this point. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know if you consider them in the same class with uh, the Nets and Milwaukee. So, and and you mentioned Chicago. I mean, that's another team. I don't think anyone's really scared of them. So, let me ask you this: Who do you think benefits the most from Kyrie Irving's return on the court? Do you think it's Harden, who you know we've seen ups and downs from all year? Do you think it's? Do you think the obvious answer is Durant because of how many minutes he's logged, which you just talked about? Or do you think, you know, it's some of the role players who are just going to be wide open as a result of, you know, the overflow of talent on the court? Oh, man, that's a tough one. I'm not really sure. I guess I would say, I guess I would say one of Harden or Durant with the emphasis being on a potential injury that we might have seen if they continued at this pace. Um, Harden was logging a lot of minutes. I think he recently talked to Malik Andrews and suggested he had to lose a few pounds in the middle of this current season. Um, so, you know, it's possible that he could have aggravated that hamstring at some point down the road. It's possible Kevin Durant, who, who had a hamstring injury last year, could have done the same. Some sort of soft tissue, non-catastrophic, wouldn't have been surprising in the slightest as we got into like the dog days of this winter cold Brooklyn and some of those games. So I, I think, yeah, I think the biggest benefit is basically what the Nets as a franchise outline. We're doing this because we need bodies. We can't ask so much of our stars, not just in terms of total minutes, but the composition of those minutes, you know, like Durant was taking hard assignments. They had to be a very, very good defensive team to win these games with Durant and Harden scoring so many points now they don't need to be an elite defensive team anymore. They can sort of blow some squads out and not be in those, you know, like the game that we watched against Minnesota and they were completely ignoring like Bruce Browns and DeAndre Bembrys and just double and sometimes triple teaming Durant. Teams won't have that luxury at this point when the Nets have their big three. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you look at it as kind of a preventative measure against potential future injuries um that's what I, my mind goes, I, yeah yeah i would i would agree i think i think uh, as we get to january february march that seems like um that seems like it's going to be a huge benefit for them yeah and, and, and you know, and, sorry to build on that you know harden who was out for a bit um with uh covid he he's looked a lot better since he's come back. He's he's looks like he has more legs, uh, looks a little bit more explosive. And you know, we've all tried to sort of figure out why he hasn't looked like himself. Uh, if it is an issue of needing more rest, then you know, he could be the guy that benefits the most from Kyrie Irving's return because you know, they just don't have to rely on him quite as much. Maybe they can save him a bit. Maybe he can continue to um, build himself up. So that's that's another thought I had. Yeah, not that we've seen a ton of it because they didn't have the luxury to do this, but the stagger between Harden and Durant, when Durant would sit, the Nets would sort of look like a poorly constructed 
old version of the Houston Rockets where it was Harden out there with half a lineup who couldn't shoot that well. Uh, and he's just a slower version of himself. So I think Irving's um, introduction to that dynamic is going to be big because for one, you can never leave him. You often need to send two defenders at Irving. Plenty, plenty more room for Harden to work with a space floor, which we know Daryl Morey in the past as his former GM allowed him to thrive with. Um, and then the other element of that is, is like you said, just less minutes when Kyrie is only going to have to play like 17 regular season games or whatever that total number winds up being. Um, he can, he can dominate. He's probably going to look like the second best Brooklyn net on a regular basis minimum because he'll be so fresh and carrying the full full-time player load. Um, it will make sense to give, to buy a night off for Durant or Harden or while they're playing, just, just watch their minutes or say, Hey, you don't have to take this crazy defensive assignment. Let's let Kyrie do the heavy lifting. He's perfectly fresh. He's the freshest one amongst us tonight in this road tilt against, for example, you know, the Sixers or whoever. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm on the same page with them. So there was some, you know, plenty of stories looking at, uh, Alex Schiffer of the Athletics timeline, and he's got some stuff. You know, Irving said he was playing pickup games around North Jersey, among other things, to stay in shape. But he admitted today it was the first time he's gone against pros. But he said returning to practice was like riding a bike. Uh, Steve Nash said basically that he looked good, as, as good as he could have looked for someone who hasn't played in a while. Uh, DeAndre Bembry, who I think went to the same high school as Kyrie, has those New Jersey roots, said, I- I've never seen Kyrie not look like Kyrie. So all, all word from today is that he looks like he's in shape. There were no, no alarming, uh, whoa, this guy's been on his couch. Well, yeah. And I mean, he also, you know, he also just had COVID is not vaccinated. So we can read between the lines that um, he either recovered really fast or perhaps was asymptomatic. Um, but the fact that Everyone is reporting that he looks good and he has his wind means that um, whatever the concerns were around what might happen, um, the worst of those have obviously been avoided. And um, I'm sure that feels good for him as well as the team. Yeah. So they're getting, they're getting much, much healthier now. Um, Joe Harris was back to practice. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge, Kevin Durant will be back. And I think Cam Thomas will be back in the next one as well, ahead of that uh, game against the Sixers that we mentioned. So, you know, even without Irving returning right away, they're going to start to get back a bunch of the bodies that they had and they were missing in protocols. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get to see the team that uh, we, you know, the, the preseason team that we were hoping to see. We're, we're finally, we're finally going to get to see it. Everything, everyone is rounding into shape. Healthy bodies are emerging. So, you know, we're going to get to really get a sense of the super team that that we had projected um, in the preseason. I'm looking forward to seeing it on the court. Can we can we put to bed the already outside scenario that they were going to trade Irving ahead of the deadline? Now, <clears throat> yeah, I mean that's. I think that was something that made sense from a fan's perspective. Like, okay, this guy 
can't play. You basically decided he's not part of the team. He's a great player in his prime. You have a contender. Of course, you're going to try to trade him. But I mean, those reports never really gain momentum. You know, you never heard about any team as a potential suitor for him. So I think now that he's back, I think we, I think we can put that to bed. Yeah, and it doesn't sound I, – I agree. It doesn't sound to me like there's any bad blood. Um, he talked about in his return to practice with his first appearance with media since training camp, he talked about understanding and respecting the team's decision. Uh, he, it, it does sound like he knew what he was getting self, himself into by resolving not to be vaccinated. It wasn't, a, it wasn't any big shock that they might do this. It didn't sound like. Here's a quote from, from Schiffer of The Athletic. Uh, I understood their decision and I respected it and tried not to become too emotionally attached to what they were deciding to do, Irving said. I had to sit down and really evaluate things and see it from their perspective, meaning the organization and my teammates. I just really empathized and understood their choice to say, if you're not going to be vaccinated, fully vaccinated, then you can't be a full participant. I knew the consequences. So he wasn't caught off guard. Um, and it did seem like he was in really good spirits. He seemed like he was truly conflicted and at odds with the fact that he wasn't able to play over this. So I think there was a certain amount of, of joy there that you could sense from the, from the reports. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think this is not ideal, obviously. Um, he's lost, you know, a lot of money. He's missed out on games. He will continue to miss out on games. But um, he's certainly avoided the worst-case scenario, which is missing the entire season. And so, uh, you know, given where things were a few weeks ago, I think both the team and certainly Kyrie would take this over where things were headed. I mean, he's he's got to be pretty happy. He's uh, obviously feels strongly about the vaccine. He's going to remain unvaccinated and he's going to get to play. So um, those two things together, he, he's got to feel like things have worked out about as well as they could have given the circumstances. Yeah. And uh, getting to add that much firepower to a team, which just saw James Harden break out. And I know we've seen some flashes from James Harden this season, he would have a 30-point game here or a 20-free-throw attempt game there, but often follow that up with sort of a sluggish couple of nights. But when the team needed him to the most, and I was fully prepared to watch the Nets um, get toasted to the Lakers on Christmas Day. I didn't know what they were going to look like. They, The guys they had available had just come back from COVID. We heard that they were mostly asymptomatic, but you just never know. I mean, he was still away for, I think, 11 days, two weeks, maybe 14 days, um, the 10th until the 25th. So, but he was, I mean, he played the best ball of his season right now. And when he said in August, it's going to be scary hours to have a healthy James Harden. That's what we finally saw. Uh, he had, he had the burst, he had the explosion. Do you think this is another false alarm and he's going to follow this up with a few sluggish games? Or do you think like he's back or something in between? I am prepared for all three of those scenarios, <laughs> but I mean, the, the most likely is that we will see 
that version of James Harden again, the one we saw on Christmas Day. Um, I think the rest has probably helped. You mentioned that he's uh, getting intentional about maybe dropping some pounds. And um, Kyrie Irving's return, that's only going to help him on the court. So I think more likely than not is that he's rounding into some version of the James Harden that we've seen in the past. Um, but we'll see. I mean, we've thought that before. He's certainly, he's certainly shown flashes and then not maintained it consistently. So it'll be interesting to see. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think what we know is that if you were to be pretty conservative and bake in some sluggish nights moving forward, he doesn't need to have, he doesn't need to be 2018 James Harden every night for this team to thrive. Now that Irving's back for road games. Uh, it's funny. The, the beat was sort of looking for ways to ask, did this COVID bout help you without sounding crass? So the way some of them phrased it, uh, the way some of the questions that we asked were geared towards, was this break a silver lining? Was there a silver lining to you being in health and safety protocols? And from him to his coach to Patty, Patty Mills, basically they all said, yes, definitely the rest helped. Um, James talked about focusing on his diet and when he was able to doing some at-home cardio with like his at-home gym, he said, he basically said like, I, I only have a cheat day, like one good day now with my diet once every two months. So it does sound like he's putting more emphasis into that. Yeah. He mentioned losing a few pounds and how he's now feeling his best. So um, I, I think he's all in. I, I think he wants a championship now as, as much as he ever has. And you could kind of feel that when listening to him talk. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's, uh, he, he is the, the star on the team. The only star on the team who hasn't got one, he's going to have a great chance this year, assuming um, everyone's healthy. And um, I, I would expect him to be a big part of it. He doesn't, he doesn't complain. You know, if you ask him about the officiating, he'll quickly change the subject. But man, just putting yourself in his shoes, dealing with that hamstring injury, and then having to watch how close the Nets were to beating the eventual champs, that's got a sting to think like, Dude, we would have won the title if I was healthy last year, even without Kyrie, oh. even with Kyrie's injury. Brutal, brutal. I mean, both guys go down. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a brutal beat for Harden, but also Nash. I mean, you think of all the bad breaks he had as a player in the playoffs, getting so close to championships, whether it was the, you know, suspensions with San Antonio or the Lakers series in 2010 where uh, our test catches the air ball under the hoop and puts it back in. I was thinking it's almost just as bad for him. I mean, here he is again with a team in prime position for that title. And even going on down the line, you know, Dan Tony's the lead assistant. We know how close he's gotten. And, you know, once again, he's on the wrong side of a bad break. So, you know, that was just uh, really tough for those guys. I'm glad you brought up Nash, and, and I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, ha having grown up watching his playing career, it, it did hurt. It hurt to watch him not win a championship because he was one of the best on one of the best teams. I often think of who are the best teams in my life who never won a championship, 
And you got to think of those like Sacramento Kings back in the day. You got to think of Harden's Rockets in 2018. And of course, a few of Steve Nash's teams. So yeah, he must just have thought between some of those moments you mentioned and now this, it's all, it's always like one or two pieces of luck away. Um, but how about him as a coach? Like didn't have the big three much last season. And I believe they could have had that one seed if they, if they prioritize it. I don't think they did. I think they wanted health. So they rested a lot, but I think they could have won that one seed over the Sixers. And this year he's got them in first place right now, having not had Kyrie Irving and only learning that just before the season basically started. Um, he would probably point out that they had like 10 incoming players who haven't played here and finding ways to integrate them was a challenge. There's a lot of newness he talks about, but um, he's, he deserves probably more credit than he's been getting as, as a top coach in this league. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, I think he's done a great job. It's definitely not easy coaching the team he has. Like we talk about, Kyrie Irving, Harden, and Durant, um, all guys who have, you know, had their issues with coaches throughout their career. Um, so, you know, he seems to have pushed all the right buttons. I'm, I'm always surprised at his demeanor. You know, he was, he was a guy, I mean, he was always intense, but there was a uh, kind of a looseness and a joyfulness to his game on the court. He's very serious as a coach. And it always kind of jars me, but, you know, we're only seeing him on the sidelines. So I, I won't assume that he's always like that, but he, he seems to have done a great job. I mean, they obviously have implemented a very modern style um, and, you know, he's only in his second year. So as long as he um, wants to keep doing it, I would expect him to keep getting better. And it's not, it's not a surprise. I mean, you, you heard stories when he was a player about the type of teammate he was, the type of leader he was. Grant Hill, Jared Dudley, Amari Stoudemire, those guys raved about Steve Nash. So I'm not surprised. He, he was an incredibly cerebral player. I mean, some of the best, uh, like, in-the-moment intelligence for a player you've ever seen, the way he could get a defender on his hip and then process where the help was coming from and find a layup for himself a lob to stat or a kick out to Raja. Uh, and now you're seeing some of that. Uh, you mentioned that as a seriousness, sometimes he'll come in playfully. And then as soon as he, you know, he's laughing and joking with someone. And as soon as the actual questions begin from reporters, he'll flip a switch and become that much more serious demeanor that, that we see. Um, but I think there's a more playful side sort of behind closed doors that you see hints of here and there, but yeah, I agree with you for the most part. Um, he definitely has a, a pretty, pretty striking intensity about him. Um, and I think his team, his team models that you'll see, you know, Durant before he even listens to the first question, he's always scouring the, uh, the box score to see what, what he's looking at. And he'll often use that to answer a first question or two, because he wants to know everything that happened and, He's got this crazy recall where he'll say, you know, it was the very beginning of the first third quarter when they missed those two shots. And later they hit the timely ones, even though they only shot 34%. Um, so I think you'll see elements of Nash's personality and some of his players. I agree. And, um, you know, the, the uh, black head to toe every game only adds to the uh, demeanor. Yeah. They're like, they're like the secret service, right? <laughs> 
Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> except when he, except it, when Harden comes to the post game in like a, a polar bear outfit, <laughs> like his first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. M- NBA league fits Instagram. Shout yeah. out. Yeah, Harden's a Harden's a fixture. He's got one of the most uh, as as the uh, the joy of basketball would say one of the most moist drips and uh, I think it was Nick Claxton <laughs> who said <laughs> Nick Claxton said he's rubbed off on him fashion wise. Uh, he could do a lot worse. Nick Claxton could do a lot worse. He could. He he's got some of the most quiet swag on the team. Like he's really really soft spoken, um, and he doesn't have a ton to say. But he'll sneak in there something like, you know, and obviously there's nothing they can do when I'm out on the perimeter guarding them. <laughs> and, he, and he's he's talking about like guard, like guarding Luka Doncic, and I'm like, did he just say what I think he said? He's one of those guys where if you read the transcript, you'll be like, wow, this guy is really really confident. Yep. But if you hear him, if you hear him, it's almost very it's almost matter of fact. Yeah, he says it very, under his breath. Matter of fact, you read the transcript and you realize he just said like Luca had no ch- no chance against me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, basically, if you're if you're looking for the ten thousand foot view of this team, they're in first place and now they're going to get healthy and get Kyrie back. So finally, some delayed scary hours, but it looks like the scary hours are coming. Indeed. Greg, any anything you want to leave us off with? Any uh, any resolutions for the new year? Um, no, I'm not a big New Year's resolution guy, but um, I am looking forward to the second half of the year. What about uh, one for fun. the Nets? <laughs> as as Belichick would say, no, not right now. <laughs> so <laughs> he's not he's not ready to give a resolution <laughs> until next year, maybe. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, look forward to catching up next week. Uh, always a pleasure, and uh, hope to ha- hope to have you back next week. Take care, Dave. Bye bye.